to Distanced, a podcast about people around the world who are dealing with life in quarantine during the age of the coronavirus. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm recording from my home in San Mateo, California. Welcome to today's edition of Distanced. Uh, Thanks for those of you who have listened to a few episodes now. I'm getting my feet under me, and uh, the format is uh, getting, I think, a little bit better. Um, I've gotten some feedback, and I really, really appreciate uh, those of you who have listened and taken the time to provide a review. Um, Today, I'm going to go to the East Coast of the United States, and I have a great interview with Marisa Miller-Wolfson. And you know, the, the funny thing about being in quarantine and pandemic is our internet usage has just gone through the roof. And I grew up in the Silicon Valley where, you know, um, it was commonplace to use chat rooms when you were, you know, 10, 12 years old through a service called IRC. And so I met many friends in real life through the internet uh, back in those days uh, through IRC, Prodigy, AOL and some other services that, you know, many are now familiar with. Well, you know, the modern day equivalent of that is meeting people through Twitter, Facebook, and elsewhere. And so I first came to know of Marisa through a film that she produced called Vegucated. And it was a uh, sort of a cult hit on Netflix. Um, she was a, one of the foremost vegans in the country. And I, I looked at her as somewhat of an aspirational figure because i had always wanted to improve my diet. And uh, go more plant-based. And I reached out to her over Facebook where we um, exchanged a couple of messages about, you know, converting to uh, more of a plant-based diet, but we've never actually met in real life. Um, but when she heard I was doing this podcast, I wanted to reconnect with her to see if she would consider being a guest because she's charismatic. She's very, very smart. Um, I needed a New York-based interview and I'm always looking for an excuse to talk to great people like her. So you're going to get some perspective on New York, some perspective on veganism, some perspective on, you know, what it's like to lead a relatively privileged life like she and I currently do, as opposed to, you know, people who are currently going through it with small businesses and other challenges. And I hope you enjoy today's episode, and maybe you will even consider becoming vegan after listening to today's, today's edition of Distanced. Marisa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So it's a funny story, like funny story, how this whole interview came about between you and me, because, you know, we've never met, um, but I feel like I've known you for 11 years because you, you independently produced at the time, one of the most popular Netflix documentaries, I think at, at, of all time that, that, or certainly that year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, um, sure. It's called Vegucated. Um, I've been vegan for 18 years, and um, and I decided to make a documentary that tracked the progress of three, you know, meat-eating New Yorkers from three different demographics, and you know, have them go vegan for six weeks and track their progress, and and just what happens as their eyes open to various aspects of you know where our food comes from, how it affects your body and the planet, etc. And uh, yeah, I. Yeah, and it it did well digitally. It was shot on craft, low budget, but um, it was well timed, and uh, the people were really great that I picked. And it and somehow the film had legs, and 
and I'm so glad uh, that it landed on your screen. Well, I know you've been you've been de- delving into plant based living, you know, here and there and off and on, and it's great to hear your adventures. Well, so that that's the funny story about it. So I I then I found you on Facebook, and I think at that time I was thinking about going vegan, and so I I think I messaged you, and then several years later. I think I sent a similar message saying, you know what? I think I want to go vegan. And then several years later, I think I sent another message to you saying I wanted to go vegan. And um, I think I've failed every single time. Oh, well, have you incorporated new things? I mean, are you a failed vegan or like a more successful vegetarian or a veg, veg leaning person as a result of your, of your trials with it? Let's uh, let's put that part of the conversation on hold because I don't want to severely disappoint you with what I ate last night. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, but you know, here we are now in the face of a global pandemic, and we're talking on the phone. And I think we've chatted on the phone once or twice before. And yeah, yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely every time. The um, the the fact remains that we're both extroverted people, and we're stuck. We are stuck. And you're in New York City. And I'm hoping you can give listeners just some perspective on, you know, life in New York and life specific to your situation right now. Sure. Um, You know, my mother says New York is in the news all the time right now. And I mean, that's what I read, but that's, I'm also looking for the New York news. Um, But yeah, we're the new epicenter, I guess. I mean, there are several, but we're, you know, hitting peak right now, plateauing a bit, which is great. Um, I'm on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, A lot of our friends have left, you know, they have homes and wherever, upstate or on Long Island or whatever, and they've they've vanished, but, um, or they've gone with family, you know, to Arizona, Florida. We have Zoom calls with our kids, our kids' classmates, and, you know, and they're like, in Florida and, you know, California and stuff, but we stayed. Um, we have a backyard, which is great. It's tiny, teeny tiny, but it's a godsend. Um, you know, where there's sirens all day, every day. We have every night at, every evening at seven, usually at the end of dinner, we hop up from the dinner table, grab some pots and pans and bang them and, and cheer our healthcare workers. Um, and that is our, and you know, text here and there from people, oh, so-and-so, it's just like, oh, did you have so-and-so, she's uh, being tested and da-da-da, you know, just text from friends and people that you know and checking in on people. That's, that's what life is these days. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about New York in general, because I'm calling you obviously from the Bay Area, uh, and everybody, everybody who's listening knows that, uh, since it's, it's in the intro, but um, what our perception of New York is, is it's pretty interesting. So um, here we are a month in in the Bay Area and some positive thoughts are building around, hey, we're working together. We're doing a great job as a community tackling this thing. Um, but look at New York. They're, they're kind of behind us and the East Coast is behind us. What's the, what's the feeling inside of New York on how you're doing how do you think about the West Coast and how, how is the West Coast being portrayed? Well, um, 
we think you're, well, we think our, both of our governors are pretty cool, you know? Um, and I, I admired that San Francisco, I mean, they declared a state of emergency early on in February and, um, and they really took action. I mean, they were sheltering in place at least a week before we were. Um, and so it would, it would have been about that, a week before. Yes. Yeah, about a week. And just in that week's time, I mean, that made a huge difference. That made a huge difference. You know, that that was probably tens, maybe tens of thousands of lives, one week, you know. Um, so I think that, um, you know, California, in my in my perception anyway, a lot of us, a lot of us perceive, oh, you know, California is such a nanny state, right? Like they, I mean, I don't think you're a nanny state. I think you're awesome. And I, I, I'm, I feel a kinship with Californians because I wish we had more of that. But, um, you know, it's like, well, you guys like rules and regulations because you feel cared for. And you feel looked after and like you want the things that you want and, you know, and let's put the rules in place. Whereas a lot of the rest of the U.S. is like, no, freedom, freedom, freedom. So um, I admire that. And I, I would, I tried to live in California at one point, but I'm not going to do that now. But that's how we kind of perceive, I feel like the rest of the country perceives you guys. Interesting. Um, and yeah, certainly um, the perception inside, you know, from a lot of particularly like the tech community uh, here where I am, um, we, we have been anti San Francisco politics for a long time, but, but all of a sudden the, the tide has shifted and we're like, oh, okay, this is why we pay the tax dollars. It, it all, all of a sudden in one fell swoop <laughs> is coming through You're during like, this. It's not so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, I, I am really curious about just New York in general and your perspective that you, if I remember right, you're originally from Indiana. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And so you are, you know, you grew up in probably a place that wasn't dense, bustling metropolis. And now you're in Manhattan. Has this whole experience turned you sour at all toward like dense city living? Well, you know, there are challenges that come with it. Yeah. I mean, just the, the density is going to be a factor here. Um, absolutely. And, you know, I have, I look with envy upon my friends who do have backyards right now and who can take dogs in the woods. I mean, when, when I want, if I want to take a walk, it's like playing dodgeball, you know, you just have to like, we walk in the street. We don't even walk on the sidewalk. There's so many people, the sidewalk and the streets are empty, so we just walk in the street with our kids. You know, forget to like look both ways, like across the street, like we're just walking in the street with our kids. And then we get to the park and we have to like play this crazy dodgeball because a lot of the entrances to Central Park, you know, are crowded. So wait till someone goes and be like, wait, kids, wait, you know, and then we get in there and then we have to look for a clearing and, you know, and then I see runners, I see runners like and cyclists one right after each other and i you know just read an article about slipstream and i'm like y'all are crazy like why are you why are you running so close to each other you know um so so yeah you know there i i am definitely jealous of people who have more space like people from home who have backyards and pools i friends oh my god like 81 degrees in evansville and someone like to post a picture of their kids in the pool and get out of here um, and you know, I, uh, when, when we weren't in a global pandemic situation, describe kind of 
your day-to-day life from the standpoint, you know, of living in the city? Were you taking the subway every day? Were you taking the bus every day? Where were you going? Were you walking primarily? What was, what was the life like? Yeah. So my life pre and post children was totally different. And I'm sure, you know, we can so totally relate to that. Um, cause we both have, you know, four and five and seven year olds. So, um, yeah, pre-kids, I was all over the place. I was a social butterfly. I was at every event, every function in all boroughs. Well, maybe all boroughs, but a lot of boroughs. Um, now, with the kids and their activities, I just basically in my zip code, and um, you know, just mostly walking to school. We don't, you know, up. We we didn't own a car until we panic bought a car. <laughs> That's funny. A few weeks ago, yeah, we panic bought a car. Um, it's we're lo- releasing it, so it's you know return it or whatever. But just for the meantime, in the meantime, we were like, oh, we should probably have a car, and we're glad we did because of the um, you know doctors' visits and vet visits, which I will get into maybe. But um, yeah, so we uh, I was very much um, on playdates all the time. I'm a stay at home mom, but I also was am working on a cookbook um, for parents of vegan babies, toddlers, and little kids. So I have. We had a nanny. We have, we're super privileged. My husband's a, you know, he's a, you know, high up in a law firm. And um, so we have a town, you know, part of a townhouse on the Upper West Side. And we have a little backyard. So, and we have the money to panic buy a car. I mean, we're super privileged. And um, so it's not like uh, we're, you know, people, people who have to take, you know, a bus and a train and a subway to wherever we want to go or to work or something every day, like our, you know, our cleaner um, did or our nanny. Um, so we, we're super lucky in that we, you know, didn't have to take all that. We didn't have all that exposure, but I love, you know, I love to shop for food. I'm a foodie. Obviously um, I love, I'm super social, love hanging out with other moms. Um, and that's all come, you know, to a crashing halt. Um, I don't even, I don't even food shop, Sunil. I mean, this is how lucky I am, but like we got, we hired a cat sitter and we were going to go to Cayman right before this happened and um, go to Grand Cayman and we um, got a cat sitter, but then we decided not to go. And, um, and then we got an email from the cat sitting business and they were like, we don't have any business right now. So we're doing concierge service for anybody. So for the price of cat sitting, essentially, we have our cat sitter do our errands, which is amazing. So and yeah, you are you are definitely from the standpoint of, you know, you're not existentially worried right now. I mean, from the standpoint, like fortunately, you know, roof yeah. over your head, food, everything provided for. But there's just a, yeah. always obviously the looming threat of the virus, which doesn't care about your socioeconomic status. Um, no, no, no. But we are, like I said, you know we're in a different little bit of a different category. Um, but we have friends, you know, who've, who've been, who've had it. And we have people who have, you know, pe- friends of friends who've died, mostly, mostly Brown people, you know, um, which is horrible and is now bearing out in statistics. Um, so, and so we, what, you, what know, you mean, what you mean by that is probably what we're seeing out of Chicago and other places, which is yeah, the stats oh, show that it's just disproportionately affecting yeah. Poor communities. Totally. So, um, and yeah, or poor communities or um, Latinx or, or, you know, African-American communities. So our cleaners, um, uncle died. He was only 56, I think, 50, 
five or something. And then our um, a nanny friend of mine who's Mexican, her ex-brother-in-law died, and he was 29. Um, so that's bonkers and horrible. It's horrifying. And then a friend of a friend in California. So my best friend is in Novato, and then her friend um, died. Um, yeah, which is just so, awful. And we were talking about this yeah. before the before the call, but just the notion of people having to like watch funerals on zoom or wait outside, yeah. you know, while burials are going on. That's a, that's a deep subject. I want to touch on that later with, with your own experience yeah. with that, which is a little bit different, but, sure. but you know, on the city streets of New York where you live, is it, is it crowded? Are you going for a daily, you know, I guess you have your, your backyard, but are, how strict are you being? Are you like, are you walking on the streets or people outside? Like what's, some people are outside, but it's so uncomfortable that we honestly go to the park about once a week with the children. And then, you know, my husband will take a walk, you know, a couple times a week, but I don't go out much because it, you know, I don't know. It's just not, it's depressing to be honest. It's like creepy and depressing. And it's not like I'm going in Central Park and having a restorative nature bath. You know, it's like, you know, creepy people around with these creepy masks. And, um, it's just not the same and stores are shuttered. Lots of like retail, you know, spaces open because, you know, stores are shut down, restaurants closing down and it's just not in New York that I love. So I'm kind of hiding out. What, um, what do you expect in terms of small business in New York? Are you hearing anything of, you know, places shutting down? Have you or do you have any anecdotes of restaurants shutting down already that you? Yeah, yeah so we um, so there was a vegan fast food place, the Blossom Du Jour, that was around the corner that shut down um, in January, and we were upset. But there was a location um, in Midtown, and like once a month, we would spoil ourselves and get Uber Eats from there because because love it's their favorite place. So we get Uber Eats from there, and um, up until last week, we could. And I looked for on Uber Eats this week. And it wasn't there. That's unbelievable. Okay. And is it because the, um, you know, yeah, like I'm hearing stuff about furlough. I'm hearing stuff about, you know, temporary shutdowns, but are there, are there just, is it a part? I don't it, know. I don't know. But like also Chinese places are, but they're not, uh, not, I don't know. Also our bodega, our bodega where, that I call at 11 PM at night, vanilla, whatever. Um, can you bring my vanilla? My children are asleep. I can't leave the house. Um, they are, they're like, okay, ma'am, we are, we are, uh, shutting down on Monday. I was like, whoa, that was like two weeks ago. I don't know if they, I don't know if it's temporary. I don't know if they are shutting down for quarantine, but there are a whole lot of restaurants and spaces that are saying retail space available. So, I mean, the ones that I, that I, you know, patronize. I don't know if it's how temporary, but there are definitely some permanent closures. Very, right yeah, that's very, very, very sad. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had, a, um, as you know, we had a guest from Shanghai uh, during our first episode talking about the effect of, of small business. He, he did say some large percentage of businesses shut down there and they're, they're very far into the future. I, I just right. wonder what's going to happen to, I mean, think about San Francisco, New York, 
my gosh, so many, as it is, rent is outrageous. And, you know, these places rely on people to be filled, you know, people to be filled, take out, et cetera. And it's just, it's terrible what's going to happen. A lot of people are leaving. I mean, you know, so after my book, she um, was doing private sort of catering, you know, and I mean, just in private chefing and people don't want someone else in their house. They don't, don't want someone else, you know, running meals over to them um, and or people, you know, left or when customers and clients left. So she moved back to California. I don't know how permanent it is, but she left. A lot of people are leaving. What going um, home and going uh, you, home. You're, you're a person who, who doesn't, you know, kind of sit down and just take a situation for what it is. You've got, kind of like a activist spirit is the what uh, what I would call it and and yes. wanting to help out. And so when you think about this and here we are talking and pontificating about it turning into solution mode, what are some things that come to mind for you that either now or post when the situation resolves like that you want to do to support community in New York specifically? Well, I mean just right now this week there's um I don't not looking too far into the future. Um, I don't know necessarily what it holds, but right now, I mean, I'm just like donated to, um, there's a, I think a private catering company that is providing vegan meals to, um, uh, healthcare providers, which is lovely. Um, there are people who are saying for my birthday, please donate to this restaurant instead, which is lovely, you know, um, these are kind of like helping out, you know, helping out kind of things just right now during we're, you know, at peak or whatever. So this is very much a thing of now. Um, I've been, I've been making masks at home and, um, you know, and I'm hoping to make a lot more when I get my new sewing machine in, which the last one was broke. Uh, I just broke. So I have to get a new one, but, um, so there, you know, there's a lot of people helping each other, um, supporting each other in these like super little grassroots ways and gestures of kindness, you know, people who leave rolls of toilet paper out for their delivery guys and, you know, delivery people saying, Hey, please take one. Um, so, so it's lovely. The, the spirit of, of helping out and so forth. Um, going forward, I, I don't know. Um, what are you hearing? What are some of the stories that you're hearing? I'm hearing stuff about, you know, people uh, getting together and, you know, um, I, I'm going to forget the name of the organization, but a bunch of people in tech have gotten together to help, uh, you know, frontline workers with food. And yeah, um, I know, I know a couple of people volunteering with that organization. I just saw another person who recovered from the virus um, kind of create a, a way of matching potential patients to, uh, to clinical trials. And that was cool. Um, so I do like the, the activist community in the Bay area and people wanting to step up and find solutions, which has been, which has been really good. I, I, I really like it here. And I'm, I, um, I like the way that everybody is, is stepping up and trying to make a difference right now. And, um, yeah. even in my own small way, like I, I am tired all the time but I'm always trying to make time to do this thing, which is the thing that I know how to do. And for me, it's like psychologically just making sense of this, this period and helping people get through in this small way. Um, yeah, me I, too. I me too. Like, Matt, it's funny. Like I poured all my like 
passion and activism into like finding a way to make as many masks out of these bed sheets, heavy built bed sheets, plaid <laughs> bed sheets as possible. Um, and trying to figure out the best way, like what makes a good nose bridge? Is it full wire? Is it twisty ties from the grocery, you know, that you get on kale? Like what, you know, I'm just like, it's funny how we're doing that, but I'm, I'm funneling a lot of my energy and well, not that I have that much time or energy outside of dealing with, you know, um, my kids and cats. We had just spoken before. Um, my, I had two cats passed within three weeks of each other. And that's been running at cat hospice has been no joke, but um, yeah, for some reason, you know, I'm, I, I also have been sort of Facebook warrior around a lot of conspiracy people, you know, in my community I have a lot of anti-medical establishment, anti-pharma um, contacts in the wellness community. And, um, and I'm just trying to set the record straight. Like they post some, crazy stuff, you know, uh, and then I just try to counter that with articles and sources and actual facts. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's scary and it's embarrassing, honestly, um, that so many people in the vegan slash wellness community are buying into these crazy theories and think that it's no big deal and, you know, and we should just live our lives. Let's talk about New York after this all resolves. And so it's, I know it's hard to look into the future right now. And it's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get through every day right now uh, for everybody, yeah. uh, much harder for, um, for many others listening, you know, but what, what does the city look like? What does a reopening even look like? And would you see yourself like call it riding a subway in the rest of the calendar year? No. No, no, because, um, I mean, I think the city will open up in, you know, phases. I think they'll say, well, these kind of workers and these kind of people, and we just don't have enough information. I don't have enough information to make a prediction about when or how. Um, I mean, you know, there's, I don't think a vaccine is going to be widely available worldwide before, you know, September, 2021. Um, until then it's, um, what is it called? Redmosphere? What's it called? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the Gilead Sciences. The Gilead, uh, yeah. So there's so those those trials that are happening right now, and there's some hopeful results coming out of one trial. Um, too early to call, but um, yeah, and the antibody tests, which are largely garbage right now, but you know, early yet. So you know, there there are ways. I feel like if we really amp up the testing and we get our antibody tests right and um, and we do have these treatments in order. I feel like there can definitely be a gradual opening up. Um, but um, this is, uh, yeah, until the vaccine is out, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, look, there's a chance that I, we've had it. I mean, this crazy thing happened at the end of February. This is right, oh, this is right before I was supposed to come to California. Um, my husband got sick. And he was um, in crisis mode at his law firm because um, a bunch of people in his law firm were under quarantine because they had contacts with that lawyer in New Rochelle who like, was like one of the earliest cases in New York. So, um, and David was dealing with IT guys who were getting sick and, and he was reading. Um, and I, I have ADHD and I hope I've been hyper-focusing on this particular pandemic since 
mid-February. That must, so that must be been, incredibly hard. What? You know, just kind of like, you know, being, you know, more wired toward just sort of, you know, checking news, you know, back and forth and yeah. this and that. And yeah. then also. Yeah, yeah uh, but, I, but I know a lot. <laughs> and I've been able to like, I've been like, I quit going to, you know, a Zumba class. We pulled our kids out of swimming at the end of February. You know, we, we got a car. We, I had I slowly started to amp up my shopping. I was like, I'm not going to get two cracker boxes. I'm going to get three, you know. Um, that was mid-February, mid-end of February. And uh, so, I, you know, we had pulled everybody out of classes um, by then. But gave. oh, here's where I was here. There's the ADHD in action, right? I'm like going off on tangents. But anyway, so my husband um, got sick. At the end, that week, uh, last week of February, I was supposed to go to California on the 28th or 7th or something, but he got a fever. He had a cough. Um, he went to, he was so tired, he was flat out. Um, and he went to the doctor and he was like, you know, I'm, re- you know, I have to read about so much about this coronavirus because it's kind of hit our, hit our community. Um, can I get a test? And he was like, no, because you haven't been, you know, traveling, haven't had any foreign travel. And this was before they were really even talking about Europe. They were still talking about China, which was ridiculous. And, um, and they said, no, sorry, you don't, you do not fit CDC criteria, but he tested negative for flu. Mm, yeah, and I, uh, yeah. There, yeah. And there were all these cases and he showed me in the economist, I think it was the economist. Yeah. A chart. Um, of how many diagnoses of um, flu that was not flu that happened at the end of February and went up and up and up. So, it, and then after he had it, I got a cold, and um, and then and our our oldest kid had a fever. So I was like, did we have it? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But so if we if we have good antibody tests and we find out we had it and it actually means something which we don't know because these Korean studies say not necessarily um, then yeah then life will be different but we just don't have enough information yeah yeah it is really unbelievable how lack of information on testing um, and of course you know antibody testing will be there I I don't know I I like you I read too much news but they're saying they're saying June July who knows and then when it actually becomes widely available, look, well, I, right. that's the difference. You know, I mean, celebrities will get it, you know, yeah. celebrities and like super privileged people will get it. Hell, we may even get it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, for them, for them, for the most part, I don't know. So, okay. So let's just say, um, you know, things you, you have an antibody test you have a vaccine i don't know do you still go back to normal do you think quote unquote normal or are you still going to be concerned because actually you seem a little bit more on the um careful spectrum than most yeah 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 that's accurate um yeah i don't know well it all depends i mean am i have i do i have the antibodies and do i trust that test you know okay so my friend jenna she had um, the worst of my close friends, um, and she went to uh, the doctor. She had pneumonia at this point, and her kids had had 
I mean, and her husband had fever. She had 103 fever. I mean, she had the cl- I mean, the textbook symptoms, right? Um, she couldn't get tested. She went three times to the doctor. Finally, the third time she got tested. And it came back a week later, something ridiculous, negative. And we were like, how can that be? And then two weeks later or a week later or something, I don't remember, she gets a call from the hospital saying, oh, we should let you know that those tests are only 70% accurate. There's a 30% chance that that was a false negative. 70% accurate. That's, that's 70% awful. Accurate. That's awful. Awful. Um, so, and this was, this was like a, like a whole bunch of, they said it was a bad batch of tests. It was in Brooklyn and Queens. It was, yeah, it was bad. So I wanted to ask you about two things specifically. One, you just went through a pretty traumatic experience with a pet. And I know that that's maybe even a belittling world because you have this, quote, you know, member of the family, call it, for, yeah. for many yeah, years. Yeah, family but, member. Yeah, my, my son at dinner tonight he said my 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 brother my big feline brother i was like yeah he is your big feline brother or he was so so what happened and you know i wanted to understand like what you know you had to have some somebody come just give give everybody an overview yeah quick overview so we had two cats at the beginning of this year and um, one of them, they both, one was sick, had been sick for about a year and a half. And the other one, we didn't know was sick. And he had a super um, aggressive cancer. And we had to take him to the emergency vet and had to put him down there. And it was crazy. You know, we had to leave, drop him off in front of the vet's office. And they had to do the exam. They kept him overnight. Um, they gave him chemo, like they thought that they could do it. We took him home and it didn't work. We had to take him back. And so that was our younger cat who we thought was healthy and he wasn't. Um, and that was hard, you know, just to have to put your cat down at the vet. Um, they did let me in. I was an exception. They let me have, let, let me go in there with full PPE and put my cat down in full PPE. I'm sure he was like, where am I? Who are you? What is going on? And then my, our older cat who we knew was sick, um, this declined really badly right after the other one, during and after the other one passed. And um, But thankfully, um, we called an old friend of David's who's a vet, and um, he was still seeing people. A lot of the vets shut down. He was still seeing people. And um, and he was able to give our, uh, our eldest cat, the sick one, a really beautiful and peaceful passage last night in our home. Um, but it was bizarre because um, our children could only wave to the vet from the hallway as he was entering. And then my husband ushered them downstairs and the vet came in with the mask and everything. And I had my mask on and um, and then it was actually very peaceful and the most peaceful euthanasia I've ever had to, you know, ever been a part of with a pet, um, which was lovely. But then um, we had to seal the room off. Um, because of potential contamination from the vet who took the bus over and, you know, has been exposed to lots of, you know, coworkers and things and other people. And so we can't leave, we can't open our front room. We have the cat tree, which is superfluous now, um, in front of that door um, to sort of block the room for two more days. So 36 hours, two more days. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, that's, that's an intense, intense process for a very yeah. uh, difficult thing. 
Yeah, and you know, we've been talking a lot about the kids, and I do wonder how this is affecting our kids, and I wonder, I'm sure you wonder how it's affecting your kids, right? I mean, all this talk of germs, and then I'm sure they're overhearing things. We, you know, my kids are experiencing death in, um, in their first meaningful way, um, and a lot of questions about death and stuff, and I'm, a lot of questions about the virus, I'm sure, at your home, too, and, I, you know, you got to wonder how this is affecting them. Yeah, um, we, we've definitely had a different experience with the kids from the standpoint, you know, it is currently spring break, um, for the, for the older one. And so they are, they're thinking that it is just extended spring break (laughs) and, um, they, uh, they, I mean, you know, they, they kind of know this, this character, the coronavirus and they, they say things like, oh yeah, the coronavirus, it's really bad. It can hurt grandma and grandpa. So that's why we can't hang out with them. Okay. Okay. And, so they uh, have an understanding. Yeah. 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 And then the other thing that what's the other line? Oh yeah. I wish it had never been invented, but kids are, kids are super oh. strong and can beat the coronavirus, but, but, yeah. but adult, like super old people can't. So we got to be careful with them. Right. We have to be, we've, we've definitely drilled that message that they're safe, that things are okay. You know, definitely yeah. try to, it is pretty interesting how we all like build our own narratives to get through any situation. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. Um, the other, the other thing, I mean, obviously you're kind of one of the, the foremost vegans on the planet. Um, and I don't think that that's an understatement. I mean, you're a big, I think it is maybe like 10 years ago I was, but maybe seven, maybe seven years ago. But, um, but thank you. (laughs) <laughs> give your give your pitch for going vegan during the pandemic. And I'm asking this in part because, you know, we started this podcast as, okay, I've been a failed vegan at least a few times. So okay. what would be what would be your pitch right now during this extremely stressful period where people aren't working out, they're probably drinking a lot, they're you know, what else? But why baking would sourdough? Everybody's baking sourdough bread for some reason. Well, I'm sorry, but what the hell is that? Like, I'm sorry. I, I just, don't know. The hell I don't is know. That? I don't know. But I don't know. But I want to do it. I haven't yet, but I totally want to. I will totally so judge you for it. that. I will judge you for that. <laughs> Hardcore. Um, oh, you know what you should judge me for? I made toaster pastries on Sunday as an Easter project. It took probably two hours. I ended up with five toaster pastries. Wow. <laughs> it was the dumbest baking project ever. But, yeah, um, I'm totally out on the was, sourdough thing. I'm totally out on it. That is really funny. That's really funny. But you can get really good sourdough, I'm sure. I mean, can you get bread, like good sourdough right now? Where you, you know are? how we know that we have like the most first world problems in the world is like we're just talking about this right now. Um, oh, no, I so, so I want to hear the pitch though on the, on the vegan thing. Oh, okay. like why, why vegan? Yeah, yeah. Why, why vegan now? Okay. Well, first of all, um, your best defense again, this, against this thing, I mean, just right now and immediately is, um, you know, that, you know, is you need to bolster your immune system, right? Your immune system is your best defense against it. And apart from vitamin D, which is essential um, for immunity, is you really need um, the same stuff that's going to fight against every cold. This is the this is coronavirus. The cold is a coronavirus. And that is copious um, vitamins, copious antioxidants. You know, vitamin C is an antioxidant. Um, you, you need fruits and vegetables. Um, you need um, 
beans. You need you need to make your body optimal um, in like every way. Um, and so, just immediately for your for your oh, and obesity. Honestly, like I'm finding more and more science today. More and more science is coming out that this is you know asthma is not that much of a risk factor for this, but obesity is. And um, vegans tend to have lower BMIs. Um, when I went vegan, I lost 15 pounds in like three months or something. Um, so, it, you know, you can, it, that could hopefully motivate you just to preserve your own health. But apart from that, why is this even here? Well, where did this come from? It came from most likely, you know, the wet market in Wuhan. And that is where SARS came from. That's where H1N1 came from. I mean, SARS probably came from there, but like bird flu came from the same kind of place. AIDS came from consuming, HIV came from consuming, um, you know, some, some form of, you know, ape, monkey or something, um, because the most, the most related virus is SIV. And so it's a cousin. Um, and, and so all, all of our, all of our pandemics, are zoonotic. They're they're animal in nature, and they come from the exploitation of animals. Um, if there isn't anything we've learned from this, I hope it is that the more we mistreat animals, the more we'll suffer. Um, and then the third pitch is the more that going vegan preserves the planet. So your um, your you know greenhouse gas footprint will will drop dramatically. I mean, a it's dropping because we're not driving right now, but your footprint. Like your food carbon footprint is huge, and just switching from a meat-based diet or a regular standard diet to a vegan diet is one of the most powerful things you can do. Um, uh, you know, I sort of think of this as a practice run for um, when the shit hits the fan with climate change, and it will. I mean, this is like a mini on a mini scale of what's going to happen with climate change, right? And, um, I mean, I have friends who are like, this is crazy. What's going on? Well, this is the apocalypse. This is Armageddon. I'm like, you ain't seen nothing compared to what is supposed to happen if things don't change, if we don't make a change. Now, we've had a little bit of a reboot, obviously. Have you seen some of the, some of the like, smog listed in Delhi? I saw, yeah, I've seen, I've seen yeah. this stuff, yeah. Yeah, Delhi, and I think um, certain, like, pollutants are down by 50% in the UK, and you know, like this will give us, this will buy us some more time. But um, what I'm hoping it will do is will make people realize that science is important, that um, rational, reasonable, informed, and scientifically based leadership is important. Um, and uh, it's given me hope in a way because, you know, I've been focusing on. Um, hyper-focusing on this pandemic since mid-February, and I saw back then, I heard some real bad projections, real bad ones, you know, whereas like, well, good case scenario was like, okay, a quarter of a million people will die. Um, and now in the U.S., we're talking about maybe 60, um, 60,000, which if that is the case, will be, an, I mean, it is incredibly painful. But it is, and it is very real for the people who've had who've suffered immediate losses. But it will be, in some ways, a huge victory um, in terms of what we can do if we are informed and if we have the will. Um, so it's actually given me a lot of hope. 
um, for the battle, uh, you know, against climate change, because if we can, you know, go from the worst case scenario, you know, it's da 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 to 60,000 lives, it's horrible. But it yeah. proves that it proves that we can do hard things. If we have enough proof, um, if we have enough belief in our scientists and our um, leaders and we can trust them and we have media that we can trust, then we can, we can get through it. it we, we will not be unscathed, but we can get through this. I love that hopeful um, message. I mean, I think that's, um, we've closed out a few episodes on, on rather potentially dreadful and apocalyptic notes, but I love that message. Um, the and and I agree with you that you know the the whole climate change thing it, it's it's going to be very real. I just wish that all the pollutants hadn't been you know slowed down through the cost of you know twenty million jobs in this country and another. I know, but you know we we've known we've known that what what it's going to take for for this. Um, for us to really address climate change is a wartime effort, and we're seeing a wartime effort. I mean, we have the worst possible president, you know, leading it, but we're seeing finally a war. And we would be we wouldn't need such a wartime effort if he had like listened to the science to begin with. But, but um, the fact, you know, it just shows that we can do this. I mean, I have links to World War um, to on both sides of my family, um, and I'm very much connected to. Um, history and genealogy. I'm sort of an amateur, you know, genealogist. I'm sure you have amazing stories of what your family has endured and how, you know, whole the world came together to, um, to, you know, save millions of lives and, and it's happening right now and it can happen again and it will happen again as long as we get, you know, as long as we can trust the media, get good leadership, and believe our scientists. I love it. Good, uh, good, good way to end. We're gonna wrap it up here, Marisa. Huge thanks for for taking the time to chat and uh, be one of our first episodes on, or guests on uh, Distanced. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a joy and such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Marisa Miller Wolfson. Um, and, you know, once again, maybe you will consider going vegan after this. Um, but more important, um, it was really great to get her perspective on life in New York, um, a potential return to normalcy and, you know, just a new voice to give us a sense of what people are going through during this very challenging and difficult time. Um, uh, if you like the podcast, please rate us five stars wherever you uh, found us. Um, and, you know, feel free to give me feedback directly at uh, subes01, that's S-U-B-E-S 01 on Twitter. Thank you again, and you know uh, we should be coming out with some more episodes next week.